we go with part three of Secret to Seeing the Supernatural. Um, I apologize for the noises because I'm coming to you from the road, so um, you'll hear stuff outside and you know, the air conditioning going on and off, maybe a puppy making a noise. Anyway, I was thinking I was going to sleep last night. Actually, I think I woke up about four in the morning. I was trying to get back to sleep. I was just thanking God for all the times that He rescued me, and I started thinking about, you know, how things could have turned out differently uh, at different seasons of my life and thinking about some of the car accidents I've had. Maybe you had a couple of fender benders yourself or like my friend, I think it's Jordan Gayfield who uh, got into a crash and uh, man, head on. He was in the hospital, I think, for months. I mean, he was he shouldn't have made it, but God spared him. Incredible testimony. But I was thinking about, I used to have this old red pickup truck i think it was an 86 and it was a stick shift pickup truck and i was taking it down a two-lane road when i kind of lived in the country in gloucester virginia and not it had really sensitive steering it was it was quite a thing to handle uh, i once drove it over the coleman bridge which is a pretty tall bridge with a massive bookcase in the back of it and it felt like a sail on that thing man it was such a challenge to steer it well one day i'm coming down this country road and I guess I took my eye off the road for just a second, and I went right into the ditch. Just one side, just the, the right side, went into this small ditch on the side of the road. So I figured, oh, man, how am I going to get? I just didn't want to slow down. I knew I'd be stuck, stuck. So I just hit the gas, thinking maybe I could get this thing out of the out of the groove, You know, trying to steer it to the left and get it out of the ditch. Uh, instead, I slammed right into a driveway that kind of cut over the ditch and blew the front tire all to pieces and found myself stranded and worked my way through that. Nevertheless, changed the tire and got back on the road. And I was thinking back when I was uh, one of my first cars was a Ford Fairlane. It was a 60-something Ford Fairlane. And I crashed that same thing so many times. Uh, but one, one New Year's Eve, I think it was the New Year's Eve 1980 going into 1981 um i was at a party and you know we had to go get more beer man you gotta it, was, it wasn't midnight yet so me and a bunch of my friends we crawl into this old car and go up to this uh what was called a little shopper it was kind of like a 7-eleven good, good ways away but it was it was a place that we knew we could buy beer even though we weren't old enough to buy it and uh I got there, and I, my brakes had been messing up. I could have shared this story before, but it's quite remarkable how the Lord spared me. Um, my brakes were, were acting up, and I knew nothing about auto mechanics, any of that stuff at all. You know, I was a guitar playing, a little hair bag, and uh, didn't know much about cars other than to drive it. And we went into the place. We bought some beer, and I'm having to pump my brakes to stop every time. We're getting ready to leave. Sorry, got a dog growling. Hold on one second. I'll see if I can quiet them down. Well, it's real. It's authentic. They're just playing. But uh, anyway, so we leave this uh, little shopper, whole carload of us little hair bags, and we got our beer, we got our cigarettes, and we one guy bought a lighter, and his lighter wouldn't work. So he wanted to go back and exchange his lighter. So I turned around, and I'm pulling back into the parking lot, and I'm headed straight for the the, the window where the, the cashier can look out over the parking lot. And I go to hit the brakes, and I ain't got none. 
and I go right up over the curb into this whole row of paper machines right under that window. The cashier watches the whole thing because I'm heading straight for them. Tear the paper machines up and unfortunately tear the front of my car up to where I couldn't open the hood because I was thinking, oh, somebody mentioned brake fluid, but now I can't even get the hood open to check and see what's going on with the brake fluid. So the cashier, we knew he was an older gentleman. He came out and he says, get out of here. I'll tell him I didn't get your license plate. I'm not proud of this uh, at all, by the way. I'm just thankful that God spared me and uh, showed me mercy. So we left the um, little shopper and went back to the party. But on the way back to the party, I approached a major intersection. Anybody from Virginia Beach, it's at Witch Duck and Kempsville Road, where they come together in Princess Anne Road. And I had no brakes whatsoever. The light was red. Um, I mean, this is New Year's Eve, so traffic is out. And I just zigzag right through that intersection, right through the red light. I could have killed people, um, could have killed myself, but somehow I made it back to the party and celebrated midnight. And and uh, then we left. And we what I do now? I'm even drunker, and I'm behind the wheel of this thing, and uh, and I go to turn out of the neighborhood, and I jumped out too fast. I tried to hit the brakes to slow down as I made the curve coming out, made the turn, and instead I had no brakes, so instead I went slam into this deeper ditch that there was no getting out of. I mean, we didn't get hurt or anything. Um, some guy jumped out of there and started throwing beer cans out of our car, helping us out, I guess, because we didn't get busted. We got out of there before the cops got there, and it was a few days later that I found my car had been towed. Um, you know, you know, there's things that we do that that still happened, and justice would be that I have to pay for that someday. That'd be the right thing, but what Jesus did on the cross, I mean, he he made a way that that I don't have to give an account to God for that. It's under the blood of Christ, and you may have different sins in your life, but that was a big one. My point is this: is that I got right right back to driving as soon as I got my car back. I did a couple of small repairs, or helped somebody help me do it, and I got right back on the road driving again. Um, you know, well, let's flat, let's just go back a few years ago, talking about driving and cars. Uh, our old camper rig, this 1991 van and this old 89 travel trailer that we lived in full-time when we first launched Life on the Verge, um, we it it didn't have power brakes or anything like that. We're, we're going down 77. We called it the glory train, by the way. I used to say it's breaking down all the time and people are helping us get it fixed. Glory to God. So we called it the glory train. But I hit the brakes and it jackknifed. I'm sure I've told this story before. Um, you know, so a truck slammed on brakes in front of me. Traffic was stopping, and I was too close, I guess. I hit the brakes, and it it jackknifed, but nobody made contact, praise God. A couple of exits later, I went got off to get gas, and I had no brakes. And uh, it turned out the brake line had gotten ruptured, and I did a MacGyver repair on it. We got back on the road. My point is here is that I didn't stop driving because of these mistakes. Some of them were self-inflicted stupidity, obviously. Some were just accidents. We all have accidents. Nonetheless, I still drive a lot. And so 
you know, in the last couple of podcasts, I talked about the need to love God and love others, that this is really is the secret to the supernatural. Uh, we're going to screw that up a lot, especially the love others part, a lot in life. I mean, consider marriage, for example. Uh, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There's a pretty good chance you screwed that up today. You crashed. You had an accident. It might have been self-inflicted. It might have been something stupid and unintentional. Uh, but it's a hard standard to rise to. You know, Matt, our son, just sold out his hometown, a 700-seat venue. Uh, it was a standing, they say it holds 700, but you know what I mean. It's over 700 people were there. Uh, it sold out. The last time he was ta in town, he says that I performed seven years ago for seven people in a bar, and they were all my friends. Um, this was a, a music venue, and, and it was just Matt and his acoustic guitar. It was no band or anything, and I'm going to tell you, not just because he's my son, he crushed it, and the fans are dedicated. They sang along. It was wonderful, very proud moment for us parents, but I'm always looking for the deeper reason. Like, I know God positioned him where he's at. He does, too. Like, you know, what's what's the deeper deeper thing you want us to see here, Lord? So I'm, I'm not in the greatest... I'm not in a bad mood. I'm just you know, not in the mood to be ministering to people and stuff. You know, I'm just kind of trying to soak it all in. And and uh, the, this couple, we had reserved seating. Obviously, we had the only seats in the house. Um, we had these tables and all that were up on this elevated platform because we were family. And the family of uh, an, another artist was up there, and then a couple of the guys that have helped Matt produce stuff. Their mom was supposed to sit up there, but she gave her seats up to a couple of fans. We didn't know who they were. They were sitting up there with us really important people, right? And uh, we're like, who are these people? Well, Susan starts a conversation with them at some point, and it turns out they're, they're just a couple of fans, and they're not, they're not married. They've been together for three years. They've had trouble in their relationship. Susan starts ministering to these people uh, about relationships, and uh, she ends up friending the girl on Facebook. And a couple of days after the concert, turned out they lived in Virginia Beach. We met them in a parking lot at a Target to give them a couple of flyers that Matt had autographed, a couple of posters, rather. And uh, we ended up praying with them. And I actually shared that scripture with them. Husbands, love your wives, you know, and the need that, hey, you you know, living with your girlfriend might not send you to hell. I don't know. I'm not going to make that judgment call. But I'll tell you this, you're outside of God's design and you're not going to get the most out of your relationship. We just had a moment of ministry. And the guy looked at me and said, you know, the concert was incredible. Matt's incredible. But this this just takes the cake, basically. And, and I thought, man, that's awesome. Maybe that... Who knows? God's whole purpose for the show. I'm sure there's more to it than that. But my point is, I shared with him this scripture, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, knowing that I screw that up all the time. None of us get that right 100% of the time. Um, <clears throat> the things that we've got to remember at the com is that the commands of Christ... Hold on one second. I'm going to turn that AC unit off. I know this stuff gets annoying. It annoys me. Okay, where was I? The commands of, uh, or, or, yeah, the commands of the Word of God, the commands of, of Christ are meant to drive us to Christ. The commands of God are meant to drive us to Christ, to recognize that we are incapable of obeying the law. We need an advocate. We need Jesus. You know, the um, Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholic Church, that's worth studying, by the way. You know, I grew up as a Protestant, and, and uh, man, we can just 
openly crucify the Roman Catholics. I and mean, they're a cult, and I mean, there's some nasty people out there about that. So all you got to do is tell me not to do something, and I'm going to do it. So I began to study the Roman Catholic Church, which led me to the Orthodox Church, which is really one and the same. They had a schism a long time ago and split off, but they really were the original organized church, particularly the Orthodox who claimed the Romans used political power to separate and choose one leader, the Pope and all that. But one of the things that I appreciate about both of them is the emphasis they put on communion or the Eucharist. That word Eucharist means uh, thanksgiving. It's it's the taking of communion, right? Uh, they're basically trying to be, bring people back to the main thing. It happens like in every mass or every service that believers that have been baptized into the church, you take communion. And uh, I'm not talking about just form and function and going through the motions and all. If your heart's in the right place and you're coming to church and you're saying, you know what, I know I blew it. I know I'm not right. I've got to come back to the cross. I've got to come back to his body that was broken for me. I've got to come back to the new covenant in his blood. I've got to remember I can't transform myself. I need Jesus to transform me. You know, the point being, you're going to have self-inflicted accidents and crashes in your faith life, but don't stop driving. Keep coming back to Christ. You're going to fail to love others as Christ, or love your wife as Christ loved the church. You're going to fail to love others, you know, love God and, and love others, love your neighbors yourself. You're going to fail at that. I'm going to fail. I fail at it all the time. But we keep coming back to Christ and saying, you know what? I've got this serious self problem and I need to be more outwardly focused. And I come back to Jesus, the perfect example of that. And, and I ask him to transform me. So, you know, what do we do when we have a crash? Well, it depends on the severity of the crash, doesn't it? Perhaps it was just a fender bender. We call our insurance. We take our car to the shop if it needs to go to the shop, or we buff it out ourselves or whatever. Uh, then we find something else to drive. Maybe it's a serious accident. We need rescue. We need doctors. We're in the hospital. Uh, provided we get better, we don't stop driving and we don't stop moving forward in our faith just because we have a fender bender or a serious crash. Maybe we need to make corrections. I've got a friend named Chris. Uh, I married he and his wife. And, uh, you know, when he was, I think, a teenager, he was a drinker and he had a crash that almost killed him. And even though there was alcohol present and people were drinking probably to excess at his wedding, he had not dropped, touched a drop of alcohol since. He knew he could not control it. He was thankful to God and he made adjustments. And that's what we do when we have crashes. And, and maybe we have the same mistake and we make the same crash. We keep coming back to the blood and the body of Christ. You know, Romans 8.1 says, "...there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ." When we fail to remain in Christ, we're going to start to feel condemnation for those crashes, for those mistakes, for that failure to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, when we get out of step with the Holy Spirit, you know, we read Romans chapter 8, verse 1, but if you go on in verse 2, it says, For in Christ, the law of the Spirit of life sets you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh. In other words, in our flesh, we could not, we cannot obey the law. 
So God, it says, God sent his son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. He thus condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous standard of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of life is of the spirit is life and peace because the mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not controlled by the flesh, but by the spirit, if the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Holy Spirit who lives in you. That's a lot of scripture. There's a lot said there. Uh, It's saying that Christ fulfilled the law for us, okay? So we can't, we've got to keep coming back to the cross no matter how bad we've blown it and saying, Lord, change me. You know, to recap the points I made in the first couple episodes, the secret of seeing the supernatural is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Then I emphasized in part two, to love others, you've got to be present. You've got to be in the moment and you've got to have an outward focus. And most of us fall to one of the four robbers I mentioned, self-pity, selfish ambition, self-absorption, self-righteousness. We're, we're inwardly focused. We're not walking. We think, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I can't, how, what can I do for somebody else? You know. But it's in, those, in that weakness. And we've seen this time and time again. You know, when um, I deal with self-pity, selfish ambition, self-absorption, self-righteousness, uh, just like you. Uh, but I know if I will get outside of myself and focus on other people, something rises up in me. It's faith. You know, that, that God is giving me the faith to, to look outside of myself and worry more, be concerned more, rather, with the needs of others than I am even about my own needs. And somehow, some way, God comes in and meets our needs. You know, I talk about people, I mentioned this couple about marriage. You know, look, um, you need to do things by God's design. God gave us principles for a reason, and the principles of tithes and offerings and generous giving, being a cheerful giver, that's a principle. And, and if you think that you're going to be have life and peace and provision and, and you know abundance and do it outside of God's financial principles, you're wrong. You might have a lot of money, but you're not going to have the life and the peace and the sense of purpose and that God wants to give you. He wants to give you the full package, see? So <coughs> even especially when you feel like you don't have enough, that is the time to let faith rise up and say, you know what, uh, I may go down, but I'm going to be go, go down trying to minister to others, trying to share the gospel to others, trying to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. Um, God's not going to let you go down, right? I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread, David said, if we're doing things according to his plan. So we got to be in the moment. we got to be outwardly focused. Uh, which is really, really hard. And I'm, I talked a little about that book on hurry, the, the, uh, about the elimination, the ruthless elimination of hurry and how we're so consumed with self and always in a hurry. We move fast. We miss God moments uh, when we could have simply shared a smile 
We could have, instead of going through the checkout, we could have intentionally waited in a line so that we could look the cashier in the, in, in the eye and no matter how he or she is acting, say, you know, hey, thanks so much for helping me out. Hope you have a great day. Whatever, you know, um, staying outwardly focused, no matter how big of a hurry we're in. We miss those moments. You never know. What my wife is so good, so much better at this than me, but it's just gotten worse with technology. How we race through life. I, I do it. I mean, we surf in the internet. We got our GPS. We just everything. Zoom, zoom, zoom. I watched an episode of the Waltons a while back. Remember that old show, the Waltons and and Grandma Walton, and I think the mama was driving. They're going down this country road, and Grandma looks at her and goes, "You better slow down. You're doing 25 miles an hour. You're going to kill us." <laughs> I thought, wow. 25 miles an hour was high speed. But we live in this high speed world where we miss opportunities because we're not in the moment and we're not outwardly focused. But here's my point in all of this is that we are incapable of getting this right all the time. We crash and burn. We miss opportunities. And this is why we have to keep coming back to Christ. We cannot transform ourselves out of selfishness. We have to let the Lord do it. Um, in Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, when I see it, when it says be transformed, I, I was like, oh, you know, what's the deeper meaning here? And I looked it up, and it actually, well, the New Living Translation says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So the point of the Orthodox and the Roman Catholics and, and us Protestants too, when we take communion, the Eucharist, is to bring us back to Jesus and our need for Him to transform us. You know, it says that we can ask God anything in Christ's name and we'll get it and that's kind of been abused sometimes by the prosperity guy you need a new car ask God for a new car and I'm not opposed to asking God for things that you need all right but the most important thing we should be asking God for is Lord transform me and make me more like Jesus make me more like Jesus on this earth, a representative for him. And that's the heavy emphasis that the Orthodox and the Roman Catholics put on communion. And Protestants, too. I just don't think sometimes, think time, sometimes I think that we do it almost in a nonchalant, uh, just a symbol to remember. You know, there's a big debate <coughs> between denominations, especially the, 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 uh, Roman Catholics and probably the Orthodox, too. You know, they argue that when you take communion, that it transforms into the actual blood and the actual body of Christ. I don't know. I'm not going to argue that point. My point is, is that they want you to take it incredibly serious. Like this is because of the new covenant, because Christ shed his blood and his body was broken, we can approach the throne of grace. We can have fellowship with him. We can partake in his sufferings. We can walk in the spirit. That this is this is the turning point of history is Jesus shedding his blood and his body being broken and resurrect, resurrecting from the dead. Uh, like I said earlier, the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. We are thanking God for sending Jesus, not just to pay for our sins, you know, the atonement, but also for our redemption and our restoration, to restore us to who God intended us to be 
in the first first place. I mean, we look at this screwed up world. The reason that I believe that the world is screwed up morally in our country has got so much moral screw-ups. It says in Romans 1 verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For what may be known about God is plain to them because he's made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal powers and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from his workmanship, so that men are without excuse. So th that passage is saying, look, look at a blade of grass for crying out loud. Look at the universe. Look at what God has made. You have to know he is there. Then the next verse goes on and says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and darkened in their foolish hearts. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They fail to thank God. When we fail to thank, not just thank God for the food that we're about to eat, and all, but we really seriously offer our hearts in thanksgiving to God for what he has done through Jesus. We recognize, uh, this isn't a message about communion, but uh, I'm talking about it a lot because it's bringing us back to Christ. It's it, that we realize that, look, uh, I want to see supernatural things happen in my life. I want to see God moving in my life, but I know I screw up all the time. I crash. I crash my faith. Sometimes I do it on purpose. Sometimes I get in the flesh, fleshful thinking. I say, do, think things that I know are ungodly, and then I find myself falling under condemnation. Well, you got out of Christ. If we're fellowshipping with Christ uh, throughout the day, all this talk about meditation and mindfulness and all, it's nothing new. It's in the New Age thing, and I even talked about a book that I read on it, and I try to read it through the filter of Scripture, because the monks, you know, the, the ancient fathers of the faith, they believed heavily in meditating on the Word of God, meditating on Christ. You know, the Orthodox have this prayer called the Jesus Prayer. Um, it's, it says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's that simple. But they'll sit and recite that, um, now, if you're just reciting something like that, just out of reputation, you know, some religious deal, you know, if I say this 10 times, God's going to bless me. No, but if you were to sit quietly and uh, just take 10 minutes and go over and over in your head saying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And maybe look at each word, you know, Lord, yes, you are Lord. Uh, Jesus, that's the, your earthly human name, Christ. That's who you are. You're the Son of God. Um, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, and, and you meditate on that. That is going to have a transforming effect. You know, uh, of of causing us to think more Christ-like and to go into our day with a more of an outward focus, so that we cannot, or so that we don't miss the God moments that often produce the supernatural. And when I say that, it's it's like um, I mentioned the song. Uh, is it God? God gave you to me. I think that Blake Shelton covered the the guy. Well, he he put it, made it a number one. But the guy that wrote that song, um, you know, uh, John Jim John Barnes, I think. Um, he wrote it. He recorded it. It got put on some obscure radio station, and then Blake Shelton rented a ended up getting a pickup truck instead of a car when he was he wanted to rent a car but all they had was a truck it happened to be on this obscure station and blake heard the song and recorded the song it became a number one so we can't control miracles like that okay that just happened and it turns out john barnes is a believer 
and uh, you know, kind of made in the shade for royalty checks for for the rest of his life off that song. Um, well, we can position ourselves, okay, for miracles by being in Christ. We're going to, if we're not in Christ, if we're not in step with the Holy Spirit as we go through our day, if we're not in the moment, so to speak, being present with people as we walk through the department store or at work or, you know, on your, if you commute by subway or, or whatever, if we're looking like that, like I'm in the moment, Lord, give me an opportunity um, to do, you know, just to shine some light. It may be a smile. It may mean to give somebody a couple of bucks. It may mean to help somebody push their car on the road. What I don't know. But if we're so rushed, we're so hurt. We never know where those things are going to lead. You hear what I'm saying? We never know. I talked about how God spoke to me through that homeless man uh, when I was a police officer in the last, last episode. Um, and, and I could talk about other events where... I slowed down enough to look at what was right under my nose and I met somebody um, that caused a supernatural thing to happen in our lives. Uh, we see that over and over and that's why I preach this message to myself over and over because I know that in and of myself, I am fleshly, I am selfish. So I've got to keep coming back to Christ, meditating on Christ. Um, you know, even, I, I don't know that you can't take communion by yourself if you, if you want to do that. I mean, the, the Roman Catholics and the Orthodox would highly disagree. It's got to be this big, prim, proper, incredible thing, which is awesome. Um, but recognizing Christ and what he has done and giving thanks to him and, no, and admitting to yourself, I cannot transform myself. I can apply effort. I can agree. You know, the word confess means to agree with what God said. I can agree that what you said is right, and I ask you to help me, Lord. And you know what? It can be a lifelong process, but what I've seen, it is the process of sanctification, by the way. Um, what I've seen is that there are areas of my life that I don't struggle with anymore, at least not nearly like I used to, because God has transformed me. Uh, there are habits and hang-ups and, and thought patterns that I don't struggle with as much. Um, if ever some of them, you know, I, I don't struggle with the need to smoke weed and drop acid anymore. That doesn't even cross my mind. You know what I'm saying? Um, granted, I'm not putting myself in a world where I'm tempted with those things and nor do I have any desire to do that. God has changed my desires. He sanctified me, which means setting us apart to himself. And so I guess, you know, if, if there's a couple of things that I'd add as practical things that we can do to be in Christ and be transformer. Let him transform us. Here you go. Very simple stuff, very practical stuff um, that you know, you're going to agree with, but we got to remind ourselves. Uh, I said in my you know, uh, Living Life in Tune series, plug into the tuner, and I may have alluded to that as being the Word of God, and we know Christ is the Word of God, but ultimately it's not the book. It's the person. It's Christ. And so how do we do that? Well, we stay under the preaching of God's Word, all right, under pre preachers that we have come to trust, that we believe. Now, here's the caveat. We study like a Berean, right? Paul said the Bereans were of noble, more noble character, or Luke wrote it. Uh, the Bereans were of more noble character because they searched the Word, they studied the Word to make sure that what Paul was saying was true. So 
we've got to study the word because pastors aren't perfect. Preachers aren't perfect. And there's always going to be things that we just don't know. We can agree to disagree on certain things. But as long as it's not heretical, we can just agree, well, I don't agree with that particular position on a particular thing. But if it's clear and the church at large says, you know what, this type of thing is sinful or this is a principle of the word of God, we study like a Berean. Uh, knowing that we're never like going to just know it all. We're always learning and we're keeping our mind alive to the things of the word. And then prayer and meditation. And I, I, I you know, I know that sounds so simple, but man, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I really need to get back to having this seriously quiet meditative time. I know I need it. I did it for a while back when I talked about it in the podcast and it really did have an effect. You know, even the world understands the power of meditation. Unfortunately, they meditate on the wrong things, and I think they open themselves up to some some uh, scary stuff sometimes. I'm talking about meditating on the Word of God, meditating on Christ, um, meditating, sitting quietly, breathing deeply, and just thanking God and rolling Scripture over in your mind, taking time to do that every day, maybe a couple of times a day for two minutes, whatever, to bring us back in line. Lord, I want to live like you with a love for the Father and a love for others because I want to see supernatural things happen. Maybe you'll be the miracle for somebody. Maybe somebody will be the miracle for you. But one thing's for certain, if you're moving too fast, if you're not in Christ, you're going to have more crashes. You're going to miss more opportunities. So I'm already into overtime. I know I said a whole lot of stuff there, but I'm kind of Kind of working this stuff out whenever I put it out here on podcast. I'm working it out myself going, you know what? Yeah, I really need to get back. I study the Word. Don't get me wrong. I don't slow down and meditate enough. Like really just stop and spend time, quiet time with the Lord. Um, not studying to get a message or a podcast, or but really just a fellowship with the Lord to give Him thanks and, uh, and ask Him to transform me, slow me down so that I don't miss miracle moments. All right, y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening. We'll be back at you maybe with a new series next week, I hope. Sometimes falling angels fly. I want to remind you that Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about our ministry at lifeontheverge.com. We appreciate your prayers and gifts of support to keep us on the road and in prison.